Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome back to VM Nation, guys. This is going to be a, uh, usually I say it's going to be a fun episode, but this is going to be a, a very heart-touching episode and, and very teachable episode with my friend Teresa without an H, because my yes. wife's name is Michelle, and if I spell her name, anybody spells her name wrong with two L's, she gets mad. So this is Teresa with one H. Um, guys, we're going to be talking about loss. We're going to be talking about um, life, love, and loss. We've all lost somebody, whether you're in the military, whether we lost a battle, whether we lost somebody that we love, a, a husband, a wife, a, a parent. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about grief. But first, I want to thank our sponsors. And the reason why I chose these sponsors for today, they both lost somebody very important to them. Um, Kurt Balish of Balish Woodworks, as you guys know, makes the best um, woodworking in in America for your office or for your home. He lost his wife Jamie suddenly at the at the young age of thirty or thirty one. And then um, our other sponsor, Tammy Moses, uh, she has a, a podcast called um, The Hoarding Solution. And it's also a mental health podcast. So I'm going to hook Teresa. I'm going to hook you guys up. But oh. she lost her younger brother at a young age. So I think that they're perfect people to, you know, to sponsor this show. So I just want to thank them. Um, so, Teresa, how are you doing? How's your day going? And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hopping on today. Oh my gosh, the pleasure is all mine. So I am coming, uh, I'm broadcasting from the heartland. I am in Kansas. <laughs> and I just need to say that Monday it was 73. And yesterday uh, everything was closed due to a snow day. So <laughs> that's uh, that's Kansas. <laughs> but other than that, I, I'm, and I'm so grateful for that, that, day, that day of respite that we had. Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for it. And, um, you know, we're just kind of digging out. But see, I was spent 20 years in Michigan and this is nothing, nothing. So I'm good. I'm good. See, yeah, I, I, live in, I live in New Jersey and the other day, I think we got like eight inches of snow and today it's like 46 degrees and sunny. It's like, I, I don't know what the weather's doing anymore. It goes day by day, you know? Okay, good. So so we're kind of similar in that. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, what kind of kid you were. And uh, it's amazing. I, I, I love reading your backstory and I love some of the schools and some of the colleges you went to. And I actually talked to some of your, some of your, um, your college uh, people that went to school with you in Tuskegee, by the way. No way. Okay. So, yeah. um, so I was born right here in Emporia, Kansas, but never lived here until about three years ago. Um, spent my formative years in Springfield, Missouri, which I used to call misery. <laughs> um, went to college there at Missouri State at the time of Southwest Missouri State. And then, um, you know, met my husband. He was a deputy sheriff for um, St. Louis County. And, um, you know, we we 
you know, started a new life actually in Michigan. So we, we left Missouri and raised our two sons in Michigan. And so, um, so what kind of kid was I? Very inquisitive, very curious, which is why I was a good reporter. I was a journalist for almost 20 years. And I was like, wow, I get paid it be curious and nosy and ask questions and report and write. And um, so, yeah, so that's me. I'm just, uh, there's a lot, but I'll let you ask the questions. <laughs> well, you know, cause I, I love to find out where people come from, you know, especially come from, you know, Kansas, Missouri, they're very homey. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I grew up in New Jersey, but I became an adult in South Carolina. So that's where I learned, you know, what, how I, the way I am today to where, you know, and in a lot of families and, you know, not only um, different, you know, Southern, I consider Southern, like um, a lot of it has in the family is we don't talk about a lot anymore is the matriarchs, the patriarchs of the family yes, and how, you know, it's everything is about family and it goes from family to outside. And, and a lot in the world now, it's from outside into the family. Yes. So how is it growing up, you know, especially in, you know, because some, some little small towns and stuff like that compared to the, the big cities, you know, what was it like growing, growing up with matriarchs and patriarchs in the family? Okay. So I have to tell you that while other kids vacationed at actual vacation spots, um, my parents I'm glad you mentioned matriarchs and patriarchs because my parents valued, um, they wanted their daughters to know who their grandparents were. So we vacationed here in Emporia, Kansas <laughs> and there's, and you blink and you're through Emporia, but it's, it's, you know, they were from Kansas. My parents were, and they knew those hometown values. And that's one thing I do still like. I mean, I call Emporia Mayberry, but um, it, it, there's at the end of the day, I love that they hold on to, you know, traditional family values. I mean, we raised our sons to be all about the family. And it's really special to me to have relocated here because I have a lot of family here. I've never lived anywhere where I had family in the same town. And I have a lot of family here. Uh, my mother is here and, you know, it just feels good knowing that you have connection. And I know family can be non-blood, but there's something uh, for me, um, you know, just just being closer, especially as I get older. It's just nice to to have family around. So now when you met your husband, was he on was he on the sheriff's department or did you meet him before that? Yes, actually, I was in college and he was, um, you know, like I said, a deputy sheriff. And he had actually <laughs> we met at a at a dance, a college dance. And he he had a Sharpie. He was at the door doing security on the side and and had a Sharpie. And you know how you're supposed to write, you know, kind of like an X that, you know, you got in the party or whatever. Well, he wrote his number down and I was talking to a girlfriend, you know, I was talking, and I looked and I was so pissed. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> And uh, that was definitely a way to get my attention. And, um, you know, he would commute because St. Louis was like four hours from Springfield. But, you know, he would commute and come see me and I would go see him. And, and you know, the rest was history. But he was um, he was larger than life. He was my my knight. Um, 
he, um, he, we were married, we were together 23 years, married 19, you know, had two amazing sons, have two amazing sons. And um, <clears throat> my husband actually passed away seven years ago after a two-week diagnosis of leukemia. Um, but he had been on dialysis for 13 years. Um, and if there's any of your listeners out there, um, that kind of diagnosis can be so devastating. And um, as far as the kidneys shutting down, because he was a worker, you know, he was a worker. And so to be told that, you know, um, no, you're going to, you're, you're going to go on disability and you're going to do dialysis three days a week. But he didn't let it get him down. He went through a depressed period, but he said, okay, what else can I do? And he became a Red Cross volunteer. You know, he did all kinds of stuff, went to disasters, um, you know, like the, you know, fires and things like that. He ran blood. He was volunteer of the year. Um, but I know he missed law enforcement. I would see it in his eyes. He missed law enforcement. And so the last three years of his life, and I'm so grateful that he had a chance to do this. He actually started his own, um, bounty hunting company. He became a, he was a fugitive recovery agent. And I love that he got to do that before he left this earth because, you know, he was doing it. And he, um, in fact, at his funeral, there were all kinds of, you know, folks that came and, you know, spoke about, you know, um, how he had made a name for himself just in those three short years, um, where we lived. But, um, he was, he was kind of nuts. I'm not going to lie. He was kind of nuts. And he was kind of a jerk because I think some, some guys got, if, you're a military, if you're a military or police officer, you kind of, you kind of, you know, it's in the blood. It's in the job. They got it in them, you know. <laughs> they definitely have it in them. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to put him on a pedestal and say he was all this and that because he was all that to me, but he was also my jerk. <laughs> say that but he you know he took no shit off anybody um and he was just larger than life he he was fearless like he was thrown downstairs because people would be like oh are you like dog the bounty hunter and he was like uh that's tv you know i get kicked punched thrown but he lived for it you know he loved the law he loved the law. And that's something that I really would like to do. I'm kind of skipping around but one of the things that is important to me is to be able to to set up a scholarship one day um, to because uh, he was also like in foster care when he was younger and to be able to maybe put somebody through help somebody through school who is interested in law enforcement that maybe they just kind of need a little help um, I definitely want to do that in his in his honor one day so um, but uh, so anyway I'll let you go ahead <laughs> so uh, okay we're gonna hop back. You know, okay. you know, we all know that he had game, so he gave you his number, and uh, <laughs> uh, so you guys, you know, talked and hooked up. Um, yes, but then you know, once you're dating or uh, marry a a veteran or or police officer or soldier, it's a different world. It's oh a, yeah, oh yeah. And tell me what it was like, because you know. When you're dating, you know, everything is all happy, happy unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> but, you know, and, but once you really start to get to know a person and you know that they're on the job, 
you you start to see different things. Oh yeah. And you know that you know, like my friend, um, he's a prosecuting attorney now, but he was a police officer, and he said, you know, my wife would ask me how my day was, but coming just coming back from a quadruple homicide with children involved, mm-hmm. I can't exactly tell my wife what happened. So. You know, like they say, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Right. Pretty much, you know, what happens on the job stays on the job. Yes. But it still comes home in different ways, whether it's anger or being real quiet or being real loud. So what was that like being a girlfriend and eventually the wife of a sheriff's officer? Well, let's just say he didn't waste time with the ring. Uh, we we met in, you know, probably May, and by Thanksgiving we were engaged. And so, you know, he he took me. He probably shouldn't have, or maybe should have got permission. But I did go on a couple of little ride-alongs with him, and and it just showed me. I was like, you know, there's a there's a children's book, The Country Mouse and the City Mouse. I was the country mouse, right? I mean. I grew up in the Ozarks and, and it just didn't, a lot didn't happen. It wasn't the Springfield now is not the Springfield of 30, 20, 30 years ago. And so St. Louis was the city and he was in the hood, right? I mean, it was so dangerous to me, but I felt so safe with him because he taught me how to read people. I mean, if I can say that, he, yeah, he yeah. Um, taught me to not be afraid. He taught me so many things about, you know, even just kind of just being observant and, and as a woman looking out for how to look out for myself but more, you know, because he was like, you know, women are just, they're too trusting and too many women go out at night and there's, there's you know, alone and um, just, just taught me so many um, kind of, I guess, common sense things that he knew and that he lived and breathed it. Um, like I said, law enforcement was his passion. And, you know, we would, I couldn't help, but I mean, I watched stuff with him, you know, we would watch, you know, all kinds of of shows, First 48 and cop shows and things like that. And it, it I was interested because the man I loved was interested, you know, and um, even when we got like our first house, you know, he pulled up all the shrubs, he put like, <laughs> he uh, tinted all the windows in the house. And I'm like, aren't we going a little extreme? And he's like, no, we're not trying to have intruders up in here. <laughs> and and I miss that. Like, I do. I, I missed having that protector and having, you know, how he, he looked out for us. We were his number one priority, even to the point where when he was bounty hunting, um, I remember we had went out our last, our Valentine's day, he died March 7th, but that previous, that Valentine's day took me out to dinner and um, he got me, I'd never forget. I almost feel like it was like a premonition that he wasn't going to be around because that Valentine's day, he sent me more roses. I mean, they just kept coming. The delivery people kept coming and, and my job, they're like, what did you do? Why is your husband sending you? What did he do? What did he do? <laughs> and he, he took the boys, my sons, with him to get me these flowers. And the boys were like, why are you getting mom all these? And he said, because I love her and because she deserves it, you know. And I remember that night at dinner, I was like, babe, where's your watch and your ring? Because he never went anywhere without his watch and his ring. 
and he didn't say a whole lot about the case, but he said, you know, everybody that I chase isn't happy with me. And he said, and, and they don't need to know that I'm married and have a family. And, and he just, the way he said it, I got it. You know, I understood. And he also tried to chase outside of our town, our city, um, because of that. He was always putting us first, always, um, you know, the family. And um, and he was Papa Bear. I mean, he doted on our sons. It When he called me, it wasn't, hey, babe, how are you? He was, where are the boys at? What the boys doing? You know, <laughs> how are the boys? I mean, they were his life. And um, they were 13 and 16 when he died. They're now 21 and 24. And, um, you know, I had them each write something. Um, we all wrote something um, for his, you know, the funeral for the program. And they said, you know, he was our Superman. And he and he really was. I mean, not to put him on a pedestal, um, because we we went through, we went through, we filed for divorce twice. I'm transparent. I'm an open book. I mean, we went through it. Um, the the kidney failure hurt us. Um, matters of religion, money, in laws, you know that kind of stuff. And there were many times when we were like, "Screw this. We're not we're not doing this anymore." You know, I'm not. But we we just kept fighting. You know what I mean? It's like. It takes two. If I know anything in this world is when it's in a relationship, it takes two. And I believe if if there's a shred of hope and if both of you still believe in it, it's worth fighting for. And I'm so glad that we did, you know, and um, I'm so glad that my two sons, our two sons are walking this earth because they are the the fruit of our relationship. They are the proof of our love. And when I see them, you know, I pray for them. And, and when I see them, I'm just so tickled at how they are growing into men. And, um, and I pray for them all the time. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to show them how to be men. And they lost the one figure in their lives who was so influential and, and, but I just, my faith is really what carries me and I see them and they, they are maturing and they are becoming the men that God has called them to be. And I'm so, I'm so thrilled to, you know, to have had that experience um, of seeing them, of being their mom, but also of, of being Ricky's wife, you know, and. Um, I love the name, by the way. That's a great name too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and trust me, it was just Ricky, even on the birth certificate. <laughs> What's original is Ricky. <laughs> so tell me, you know, take me back because I know the day that I got hurt on duty, um, I knew my career was over. Mm -hmm. um, it was just a matter of time. And then the day that I, uh, they notified me I was no longer a member of the military is was the day that I attempted suicide, mm -hmm. Memorial Day 2012. Um, so, because uh, talk, talk to me about that day when you got the diagnosis and i know that even if he didn't say it in his mind he knew it it was over um and talk to us about the emotions that he went through and you went through as his wife so i'll tell you two days the first day was the the kidney failure day and i was with him you know i had noticed you know 
you know, not to be graphic, but I noticed his urine had a lot of bubbles in it. And I was like, what the hell? You're, what is it? And, and I was like, you need to go get that checked, you know? And I knew he was on blood pressure meds, but he didn't take them all the time. You know, he was just like, if I, if he felt good, he wasn't going to take them. Um, Cause he just didn't see the, you know, the purpose, you know, only take it when I don't feel, but the bubbles were potassium leaving his body. And so, um, you know, we would, we'd go to doctor and they were like, you know, they were like, you, you got to get a handle on this. Your blood pressure is beating the hell out of your kidneys. And I was there when the doctor said, you know, you're coming off of work. You're, you're not going to be able to really do this. You got to get your body. Cause he was a big guy. He was about six, two and about 350. I mean, he was big guy. And, and yeah. And, um, and so, to dialyze, he couldn't dialyze just a couple of hours. He had to dialyze for like five hours at a time, you know. And um, so anyway, there was that day. And like I said, that threw him into a depression. Um, it was a real, it was really hard for us because especially when somebody has a strong work ethic and they love what they do, you know, and to be told, yeah, you're not going to be doing that anymore. And so that was a real challenge for us. Um and then the second um, was when I was with him, um, my son had a hockey game and I knew Ricky hadn't been feeling well. And he was the kind, you know, like a lot of guys, um, I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, didn't like hospitals, didn't like doctors, but he was a kidney patient. So he, you know, he would, he was clearly going all the time, but there was something different. And so after the hockey game, he said, um, you know, take the boys home. I'm going to go ahead and go get checked out. And I was like, um, no, I'm going with you. <laughs> and he said, okay, we'll just do this. Take them home, get them settled. Because they were teenagers. They weren't little, little. And he was like, then if you want to meet me out there. And so they did all these tests. And essentially, he did not leave the hospital. Um, they told him, you know, in the wee hours, we've done some tests and you have leukemia. Well, this man had 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 kidney cancer just the year before. I mean, really, he was the cat with nine lives. Um, but we had beat the kidney cancer. And when this guy said leukemia, he just kind of looked blank. You know, he was just, oh, okay, well, what's, you know, he didn't know what it was. And I said, babe, I said, I, I think that's cancer. And he just hit, he just hung his head. He just hung his head. And you know, you just gear up. I was like, okay, it's going to be another fight as far as health, but we're here for it. This is what we do. You know, we're not, we're not weak, you know, we're, we're of a strong lot and we've been through a lot. I just didn't even allow myself to think otherwise. And my faith wouldn't allow myself to think otherwise. And so he was transferred to a hospital in Grand Rapids, um, St. Mary's about half an hour away. And like I said, um, he didn't come out. And the doctors told us, they said, well, if there's any cancer to get, this is it. Because it's highly treatable unless there are complications. And the next day, it was literally the next day, there were so many complications that happened so fast that the doctors had said, it was like a dam springing leaks. They were like, we don't even know what to address first because there were so many things. And um, so 
you know, you talk about devastating, you know, but but you just really can't allow yourself. I know there's people out there right now who may have a loved one, a spouse or a partner who is sick. Um, and I don't care what you do to prepare. You're never prepared for the end. You're never prepared for that devastation. Um, that this past seven years has been, you know, nothing short of, of, of hell. <laughs> it is, it is one, it is one um, transition after another. Um, you know, we lost our family home. We had to foreclose on it because I couldn't, I couldn't keep it up. Um, my oldest got in trouble with the law, which completely devastated me because he was in law enforcement. My husband was. So for my son to get into trouble with the law, I was just like, okay, no, how is this happening? But he just, you know, he was acting out. He didn't know how to, I'm not making excuses, but he just made some boneheaded decisions. We're all teenagers, but for the grace of God, I know I've made decisions that I just didn't get, you know, we all just didn't get caught. Well, for. I'm glad I was a teenager before social media. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. You know, both boys tried me. Both boys tried me in different ways, you know, just acting out. But I just have to say that, um, you know, grief, grief is, is a bully and it, and it's, it's taken from me for long enough. And, and that's why this year has been pivotal for me um, because I, you know, started my own grief support group, virtual grief support group. And I also started a podcast and we can, you know, talk about that, but I, but I, it's, it's a bully that um, knows no respecter of persons and, and it, and it's an ass kicker and, um, and it's individual. Everybody yeah. grieves in different ways. And so, um, so now, now take me back because um, take me back to the night of the funeral the last night because you know i hear it all the time like when when my friend kurt his wife passed um mm -hmm. you know there's people that'll that'll say uh, oh you know i'm there for you i got you and then six months later it, it's silence oh my gosh why are you bringing this up that is so talk to us real. about going home that night knowing you know now it's just you and the kids i mean yeah. obviously he's there spiritually um right right when you when you're with the situation where we're like and you're looking around and you're like now what you know because like for me and it's not the same situation but you know that memorial day um you know i put everything i could into being sergeant kaufman and now i don't have that anymore you know who am i you know, uh, you know, what am I? Who, you know, I didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I'm sure when you went to bed at night, you're like, excuse my language, guys, but I tried not to curse, but, you know, you're like, shit, what do I do now? I try not to curse too. I'm a cursing Christian, Lord forgive me, but I am. Um, <laughs> but okay, that night, okay. I appreciate you asking that. You hit a couple of things. But that night, my mother was with us when he passed. We're, the boys, we were all together as a family in the hospital. And I don't regret that at all. I needed my boys to, he needed them. He needed us and our energy, I believe, as he crossed over. And we needed to be with him. And it was amazing. It was 
completely traumatizing, I believe, for for me, because I just couldn't wrap my head around it. You know, I couldn't because he'd always rallied back. And so mom was like, OK, we're going back to the house and we'll do this that, and the other. And I said, no, we need to process this. And she was so hurt, you know, and offended. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't, you can come over, you know, maybe on the weekend or whatever, but we have to, we lost the head of our household. We lost our knight. We lost our Superman. And we we don't know what life is going to look like now. And so I'm so glad that we did that. And I remember the house, which had always been so raucous and, you know, loud and TVs and the boys and banging and slamming things and all this stuff. It was deathly quiet for a long time, a long time. Um, and so your friend experienced what I've been around a lot of grievers now, a lot in my circles. I attend various support groups. I run a support group. Um, and you hear from a lot of people. And yes, at first, people are there for you at first. And they fade away, you know, and it and it hurts like hell. But I think it's because, for one thing, life goes on for them. For another thing, they don't know what to say anymore. They don't know how to help you. And I, I would love for people to know, geez, just check in. Just check in, text them, call them, you know, say, if you don't know what to say, say that. Say, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Or can I just come sit with you? Mm -hmm. Those things mean so much. And it hurts far less than when people just ghost you. You know, I had these big grown men looking in my face saying, I'm here for you. Your boys, I got them. I got them. And where were they? And then another thing is, if you're part of a couple and you lost your spouse or partner, um, I can't speak for everybody, but let's just say that a lot of us grievers have experienced couples who just, they definitely avoid you because you're a reminder of what they never want to go through. And they might invite you to do stuff, but then even then, sometimes you feel like a third wheel. And it's like, okay, I want to be with my husband. I want to be with my wife, you know? And um, so it's just a reality. It's just a reality. And I'm not saying everybody does that, but it's certainly, a, it's a new life. I refuse to say new normal. I hate that freaking expression, but it's definitely, um, everything is different. You're not the same person. When your spouse or partner passes, part of you passes, you know, because you're one, you know, you're one. And and the word, world is so raw. It's just, and now seven years out, you know, it's it's still there. It's still with me. It's different. You know, you learn, you learn to adjust. You learn to deal with, you know, the ache, but it doesn't go away. And I got a question because, um, mm -hmm. you know, my wife is my best friend. She's my rock. She's my mm -hmm. everything. Uh, she'd known me when I was that, a wild child at the age of 13, 15 yeah. years old. So she's known me over 40 years. But if something happened to her right now, I wouldn't know either where my checkbook is. I wouldn't know <laughs> how much I have. I have no clue whatsoever. 
Yeah. No, I'm not the only one because when her mom passed, her dad didn't know anything because her mom took care of the bills. Handled it. Yeah. Handled everything. And similarly, when our husbands went up for a lot of us females, my husband handled the cars. He handled the yard. You know, I mean, anything in the house, he he had it, you know. Okay, if he didn't know, he was going to figure it out. And and so you are subject to it's a learning curve. And I saw I also have to say there's a lot of predators out there and I'm especially for those maybe listeners who, you know, there's people out there who say, okay, that was my love of my life. I'm good. I'm never going to be with anybody else. Cool for you. But I'm the kind of person I love. I love companionship. I, lo- I want to live life. I want to experience with, with somebody, you know, with me. I want to do things together. I want to travel together. And the online dating world is, you talk about shark infested waters. (laughs) Um, It's nuts, you know, trying to navigate that because when you're married or you're in a relationship, you're in this cocoon, you know, you're in this protection and all of a sudden you're kind of out there and there are a lot of nice people. I've met some great guys who are, you know, just friends, but then there's a lot of them out there who, and I know this firsthand because I chose to cope in very self-sabotaging ways. And, um, you know, I, I just to be honest, I used men to cope. I did. And I'm not proud of it, but it's part of my truth. I didn't know. It's so huge. And it's such a trauma. Losing a child, a spouse, or a parent are the top three I read somewhere that are the top among the top three traumas a person can experience. You don't even, you don't even know how to process the pain. And I had, I, what I thought grief was, I was like, I can't grieve. I can't be in the corner somewhere crying every day. I got these boys to raise. I got a mortgage, you know, I'm going to grind. Um, but you have to grieve. You have to find time. You got to make time, carve time and see somebody or talk to somebody trusted, um, get help. Because I remember a therapist told me, she said, if you don't deal with this, Teresa, it will come up. It's like a fish bobber. You push it down and it's going to come up and it's going to come up in times and you don't want it to come up. And so you, you've got to deal with it. And so, um, I, it's it's just completely Richard. I forgot what the question was. <laughs> okay, but uh, but I just I just had to say, share all that. I say all that to say it's such a huge a life adjustment. It's and as such- you're sitting there, you know, I'm thinking, you know, um, you know, being police in a police family as you are, um, military, you know, we're we're taught to compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. You know, we're taught to all right. Just do what you got to deal with what you got to deal now. We'll deal with the rest of that crap later. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, you know, I think that's why a lot of um, police officers um, after they retire have a very high suicide rate mm-hmm. is because, you know, we keep putting that stuff in the back of the mind, in the back. Yes. Of the what do I do with it? Where do I put it? Where and does then it one day you're sitting at the kitchen table with a, you know, a bottle of alcohol and yeah. you have your weapon in your hand and now you have nothing but the thoughts that you never dealt with. Mm. So now how does a person like yourself or like 
for me, I, I've been seeing the same therapist, uh, I think, 11 years now. I think everybody should have a therapist. That's my yeah, Me too. <laughs> so what are, support group. what are some of the support groups? So what are some of the tools that you would that you recommend to people that have lost a spouse, a child to, you know, because for me, I believe that there's no such time end time as grief. You know, for my wife grieves for her mom, and she's I think's been gone like 17 years, something like that. And for me, like her ex-husband used to talk crap about it, but for me, I'm like, honey, it's what you feel. It's you, it's yeah, you know, it is what it is. You know, and, and enjoy the feelings. You know, I, I, I not enjoy it, but you know, because that means you still love them and you're still a part of you. So, what are some of the steps people take right after they lose a loved one? Okay, so. First, I I need to preface this by saying I'm not an expert. However, comma, um, having experienced this, losing my husband and then three years later, my dad, um, I think that kind of <laughs> credentials me a little bit. Um, but also I am studying now, getting a second master's um, and studying mental health and social work because I want tools. I want to do more than just listen or just give advice. I want to be able to have some, some real mental health tools, but I would say, you know, definitely therapists and support groups aren't for everybody, but they are so helpful just to have a neutral person um, to kind of hear you and, and to, encourage you, give you some kind of maybe activities to do like journaling or even um, some folks just talking to your phone. Usually phones have some kind of notepad yeah. and while you're driving just to record your feelings, just to speak them out because your feelings need somewhere to go um, instead of being, you know, all trapped inside. I would definitely say, um, you know, really look at your circles. Who, who, um, who do you trust? You know, who do you, who can you go to? Who do you, who can you call at any hour? My support group is my AA. Um, you know, when I don't go, I'm a little off kilter. I use that to help me stay balanced. Well, for me, now you just touched my heart. Um, <laughs> I just, I just celebrated 33 years clean and sober. Wow. Like, oh my gosh. I'm, congratulations. I'm an AA, NA, any kind of A guy. So, uh, and that's, you know, I, I have a program that I teach for mental health and, awesome. and, and I, I do deal with the 12 steps. I love the 12 steps. So I just wanted to put that out there saying, thank what is, you. What is the class that is for families who of like substance users? What is that? It's not. Uh, uh, bu, 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 bu. I'll get back to it. I, I, I okay. think it's not AA, but it's in that family. Yeah. Um, I've been to some of those groups and, um, you know, cause I've, I've dated, I've dated some, some, in fact, military guys who, you know, definitely had some. Al-Anon. Yes, yes, yes. And I found that so helpful. And I would go to those groups and I'd be like, yeah, he this and he that and da da da. I learned so much about me. <laughs> I was like, wait, 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 this isn't about me. And they're like, oh yes, it's about you. <laughs> because, you know, those guys that helped me to understand, you know, they had, you know, some substance things going on and, and help me to understand the why, you know, and the how I can ha handle that. But definitely tools. Um, I just can't really say, en say enough about um, 
that it's your individual, trust your intuition, dig deep. What are, what is, what is your intuition telling you that you need at that moment? Um, and to go with that. And, and it could be your faith that you lean on. It could be, um, you know, but like I said, it's helped me to have a support group. My support group is my, my family. I mean, we, that's the one space where we don't have to explain. You don't have to explain. We all get it. We've lost a husband. We've lost a wife. We've lost a partner. And some people come and they tell the same story every week. And we never judge. We never say, oh, there they go again. No, we want them to talk. That's healing for them. All right. Well, since you went there, we're going to go there. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, for me, growing up, uh, my mother was an addict. She's clean, I think. I think she just celebrated 27 years. Um, but I went to a couple meetings. I went to Codependence Anonymous. It's called CODA. Oh, and nice. there's, a, there's an amazing book out there by Miss Miss Melody Beattie. Yes. Codependent No More. Codependent No More. So what do you do when some, you know your, your loved one passes away and you are actually so codependent on that person? Now you don't know who you are at all. Oh, my gosh. Like, are you in my head or something? Are you in, you're all in here. Some of us black folks, we say, you all in my business right now, right here. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you this. I loved being a wife and mother. I loved it. I lived for it. I was a career woman, reporter, wife and mother. I mean, baseball, hockey, basketball, soccer, football, we were there. We were, I was a sports mom. Went so... When he died, when Ricky died, that was a huge adjustment and transition. Okay, focus on the boys, focus on the boys. Well, soon after that, a couple of years later, they left because they're grown, right? They left. And so I was really left like, okay, who am I? I literally had not lived by myself until 49 years old. And I had put big, huge vision boards on my walls and I would write, and I would say, who are you? What do you like? What do you enjoy? What do you want to do? What are your goals? Like basic foundational like that. And I had to do that because I was pretty dependent on my family for my identity. And so now I feel like I'm just in this amazing time of growth and, you know, definitely still grief because it's always going to be there. It's lifelong. You just have to learn to cope and adjust, but um, I would definitely say there's a lot of people who are like, are very distraught and very much like, what do I do now? Like they were my everything. They were my rock. They were my go-to. That was my ace, you know? So who do, what do I do now? And it's, we have to do the hard work and look at ourselves and say, but I'm still here. I'm still living. And I want to live a good life. I want to live a quality life. So what does that mean? And nobody can tell you that. It's got to be you digging deep. Well, you know, um, for me, and I don't know why, I don't know why it happened. The day I turned 50, the day after I turned 50, shit just went crazy. Because <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, you know, when you're, four, when you're 49, you know, you're like, I'm still young. You know, but then you hit hey. like, but what happened was yeah, things change. Well, I started to think, you know, that 
and, and, I, and I'm, I'm great. I'm really grateful for it, but I started to realize, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. Mm. Um, I have to live every day. Yes. My last, you know, and, and, you know, I want to make my wife happy. I want to make my kids happy, yes. but you know, in the end, literally, I mean, you know, in the end, you know, it's just going to be me and my maker. Yeah. That's, you know, but I also came to realization that, you know, even though I have a big network and all this, it's the people that are going to be around me when I draw my last breath. They're the most important people. Yes. So, you know, I think if a lot of people, I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, literally live like, live like life, like it's your last day, because one day it will be. Yes. So how, how does it I mean, Richard, start? people are leaving here. People are leaving here. People are dying all the time, especially with COVID and everything. Mm -hmm. They are. So it's like, yeah, I mean, we got to do it. Just like with this podcast that I just started, which you so graciously, you didn't know me from Adam and you gave me all these pointers and tips and you didn't even know what it was about because I didn't say yeah. at that workshop. I never said, but you know what you said? You said, just get started. Just start. Just do it. Yeah. And there's something sobering about 50 where it's like, yeah, uh, I need to just do it. Just start just because time isn't promised. It's not. Yeah. And so now I'm so excited. I mean, the podcast is only a month old because we kicked it off on or I kicked it off on New Year's Eve because um, I was I was determined. I got the idea for it. It was birthed. It was given to me by my creator um, in 2021. So I was like, I must kick it off in 2021. And I'm so honored and humbled and blessed that people share um, with me about their loved ones. We have a different guest every week, every episode. Yeah. And um, so what, what is the name of your show and where do we find it? Okay. It's called Just a Widow Talk Voices of Spouse and Partner Loss. And it is um, carried by the Mental Health News Radio Network. And it's, it's, it's on, you know, Spotify and iTunes and um, lots of different um, platforms because um, they distribute it. It's a that's a global um, mental health news radio network is global. They have like 55 podcasts and they're all in the mental health arena. And so, um, yeah, every episode is a different guest talking about my first three are men, which I really love. Um, a lot of women are saying, gosh, we love hearing the man's point of view. Yeah. And um, See, that's so, yeah. I have a lot of females on my show because I feel that in the veteran or the um, police officer space, the, the females don't have as much voice. And for me, you know, whether you're uh, a veteran's wife or a uh, police officer's wife, you're doing the same amount of time that we are. Yeah. And but, you know, when we leave that door, we know that we're pro we might not come home. And it must be harder on the wife or the spouse knowing that their husband might not come home that night. So, you know, I think that's why I try to give as much credence as yeah. I do to, you know, females and have the female voice out there. So now you guys, you guys are not easy to love. I'm going to say that. 
Y'all are not easy. I mean, not impossible. You're not impossible to love, but you're not easy. And I, I think it takes a special person to love a, a veteran or, or a law enforcement person or um, because they do face so much and they're under, under so much, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say pressure, but yeah, certain to a certain degree. And we are, whether it's male or female, we are the support and we are um, the safe place you know, for you all. And I wouldn't have had it any other way, you know, but it definitely was not, <laughs> it was not for the squeamish. <laughs> I think a lot of, you know, uh, veterans or, or police officers, we really don't want to get close to anybody yeah. because we think, when, you know, for military, well, we might not be together anymore. We might just move, you know, or, or a police officer, well, we might lose somebody on the job. So I really don't want to get too close. Yeah. But, you know, I moved to New Jersey 12 years ago with, you know, $50 in my pocket, the clothes on my back, and only knowing my wife. And I sat one day and I'm like, man, I got no friends. And it hit me, well, in order to have a friend, you got to be, be a friend. friend. You got to be a friend. Yeah. So that's when my whole life started to change and started to be vulnerable. And I think that we, that's something that, especially men, and then you put us a uniform on us, forget being vulnerable, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, and I'm sure you've seen that a lot, you know, outside your, you know, your husband's all in uniform, has a, a little bit more step to, you know, a little bit yeah. more oomph to his step, a little bit standing up a little bit, um, you know, a little bit straighter. But when he gets home and sits in his chair, he could be vulnerable. Yes. You know, yes. so, so talk to us about your podcast. You know, like you were, you were such a great student. You did great. Um, if anybody's <laughs> looking to do a podcast, definitely talk to this young lady. And find out. <laughs> well, first I gotta say, I gotta give props. Uh, my baby son, I shouldn't say that, but he is my baby 21 and he's my producer. And I'm I'm just so tickled because I was like, okay, how do I figure out the sound and the audio and all that? And I had even learned, I even, you know, hired a, I work at a university, so I hired a student to kind of help me and walk me through. And I was telling him about it and he was like, Ma, you know, I've been into music for years and I got all the equipment, just email it to me and I'll and he designed he's he designed the custom intro and outro and he cleaned up the sound and he's he's my producer i'm like yay <laughs> he is a gift from god both of my sons are gifts from god but um my oldest is um he's amazing he's a people person and um he has my grandbaby i have a 3 year old grandbaby but um but anyway the podcast is just I am so grateful for it because that is my, it's cathartic for me. Mm -hmm. It is an outlet. It is helping me to heal. It's very selfish to say this, but it is. It is. It's like, and I didn't know it was going to be all that. I thought I truly have an interest in people and in storytelling. Because remember I told you I have a journalism background, but, and so it's like, wow, I get to do journalism again. And I get to talk to these amazing people who some are in my circles, but some don't know me. There's one young lady who um, I'm stacking them up right now. So soon she, she will be released. Her husband was deployed three times in very dangerous, you know, um, situations. Um, but it wasn't until he came home to Pennsylvania 
and got a job on the highway as one of those flag guys or construction guys, and he was mowed over um, by a, a, a sleeping driver. And so she's, you know, she's got three young kids, and she's now making it her, um, I guess, challenge or life life's work, I guess, to um, try to enact some laws for drowsy driving because her, the guy who killed her husband got only 18 months, 18 months. And, um, and, and then another woman, um, she's an author. Um, her name is Jan Canty. She has a podcast called um, The Domino Effect of Murder. Her husband was murdered in Detroit. Um, she didn't speak of it for 30 years. Um, it was a big media frenzy. It was known in the community as a prominent psychologist. And now she's, you know, a speaker, an author, a psychologist herself. She, you know, she's just really, I mean, there's just some amazing people. Um, and I, we all hurt, you know, and um, I just feel honored to be able to host a space where a safe space where people can, can not only talk about their lives with their loved one, how they are moving forward, um, but also kind of putting it out into the universe. I feel like it's a way of honoring them too. You know, um, I love the fact that I can say my husband's name every week, every episode, you know, because it's up to us to keep our loved one's memory alive. I don't want him to be forgotten. He was an amazing man and an amazing father and husband and again he was he was a little jerk but it, it was mine <laughs> and yeah, um and I, he had such a heart he had such a heart and you know we don't know what he didn't ask for kidney disease he didn't ask for leukemia he didn't ask for kidney cancer but he he also didn't let it um dictate his quality of life and so I want to be the one to get his message out there and and to also show people, you know, for me, Richard, I'm stronger than I ever freaking thought I am. I thought I was strong. I, uh -uh. I mean, to be able to, you know, navigate life, knowing that there's this <laughs> meteor sized crater in your in your home that where your loved one used to be. And it's almost like you're, you're walking gingerly around this crater um, and trying to function without, you know, but this hole is there, this void. And like I said earlier, you know, that was my coping was the arms of other men. I mean, people can talk, I'm sure there are people who judge me and talk about me, but that's my truth. I didn't want to feel the pain. And if I could just be held or what have you, you know, um, and, I, and I know there's others that that have done that. They've confided in me that they've done that because what do you do? And I think society tends to put widows and widowers, okay, just stay home. You know, um, you're not supposed to be happy anymore. And, um, you know, we are living viable human beings. We have urges and desires and needs and wants. And, and especially if you had a very healthy, active, intimate life. Okay, then what? Yeah. 
Um, because and some people I admire those people who can just be like, oh, I will I will never love again. I'll just I had the wonderful love of my life. Great, great. I'm happy for you, but I'm of the mind that I still have a lot of love in my heart. So and, then, um, my question is, um, I got the last two questions, and it mm -hmm. leads into what you're talking about. Okay, what kind of support groups are out there? that you recommend or that you're involved with? Because I always love to tell people, like, if you're a, uh, an accountant, I want to know what you're invested in. <laughs> you know, before you tell me to invest money with you, I want to know what you're invested in. So what are the support groups that you're involved in? Um, so the one that I've been involved with for years has been through hospice. It was one, it's in Michigan. And that's one thing I believe there's good in everything. And one of the good things of the pandemic has been the virtual space. And it keeps me connected with my support group. And, um, you know, I kind of was thinking to myself, you know, one day they're not going to meet virtually anymore. Then what am I going to do? Because I haven't found any around here where I live. So that's why I started my own um, it's on Friday. It's on Friday nights, because for those of you who don't know or for if you know somebody who's a widow or widower or partner lost, weekends are rough because that was our time. That was our time with our families, with our loved ones and, and weekends can be, Friday nights can be really hard. So I specifically, my group meets on Friday nights virtually. And what's the name of it? It's just, uh, it's called To Become One Grief Support. And, um, you know, people are from all over and it's not a huge group, but I like that too. It's an intimate, small, I call them the goof cr goof troop because we laugh, we cry, we, we just have each other's backs, you know? And I think we need so many more spaces like that. Um, great support group spaces, especially virtual, where people can just do it from their own homes. So how else, because like last two questions I always ask everybody is, how do we find you? How can we support your mission? Um, so where do we go to find you? That's a good question. Well, I'm on LinkedIn under Teresa Taylor Williams. I sent you a request today, so make sure you accept. Oh, cool. I, I'm so glad because I couldn't get one from, I tried to request you and it was like, oh, he has so many people. He's not, I was like, oh, <laughs> um, Facebook, I'm on Facebook, Teresa Taylor Williams on Twitter. Um, same, um, actually I'm, um, Escribe Mama on Facebook, E-S-C-R-I-B-E-M-A-M-A. -E -M -A. But I think if you just also go under Teresa Taylor Williams, but, but yeah, Just a Widow Talk is on um, the Mental Health News Radio Network. And I, I can send you the link to that, Richard, and if you want. Yep, this way I can put it in the in the chat and, yeah. and put it in the uh, liner notes. The yeah. last question I have, um, you know, COVID has affected a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and I was talking to, I had one of the Iron Chefs on yesterday. No way, nice. He was talking about how, you know, in the United States, over 100,000 restaurants have closed in the last, you know, last two years. Oh, wow. I didn't... So, you know, a lot of parents, you know, lost their jobs, you know, driving Uber, DoorDash, you know, mm -hmm. just with food on the table. Yes. So if I ask the average American to do something in seven days, they're probably never going to get to it because we live a busy life. But if somebody's listening to our show right now and I ask them to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to do it. So if somebody out there, you know, like my mom, like we know she's going, we know it's coming. 
you know, I know it's coming. Um, what can somebody like that, you know, that maybe a husband or wife is on, you know, hospice, um, what can they do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help and maybe some clarity in their life? That's a great question. Um, um, reach out for professional support. Um, there's lots of grief therapists out there, grief groups, grief like hospice can direct you. Also, um, you don't, I don't think you necessarily have to be um, under hospice for them to have resources to help you. Um, I would also like to say for supporters of those who maybe you have family or friends who you see are going through this, you know, please reach out. Please encourage them to document a lot of this stuff because it is such a trauma that sometimes I've heard people say, you know, they've they've just blocked or forgotten some of those last moments or the last days. Um, I couldn't tell you a lot about my husband's memorial service. I'm glad it was video recorded. Still haven't watched it after seven years, but it was so traumatic. I I don't really remember much about it, but, um, and even those last days. So really just reaching out, like I said, even if you don't know what to say, say that, but just say, I'm here, you know, please let me know what I can do. And even if you got to put a reminder in your phone to check in on somebody three months later, six months later, a year later, please do it. Because it, it gets real lonely after after the the services and after people go home, that's when the real work happens. And and the last thing I would say is um, just know that grief is individual. If you're a supporter of somebody, please don't judge. You know, um, and if you're going through it yourself, give yourself grace. Handle your heart with with grace, and 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 follow your intuition. And if I can, if I can, Richard, I would love for anybody listening, if they are a, um, if they, they have experienced spouse or partner loss, please get in touch with me. I can leave you my email. Um, I would love to interview you. I'd love to have you on my podcast because that's what it's for. It's a platform to tell stories about our loved ones. Now, I, I kind of told you a fib earlier when I said, you know, I'm not going to ask any questions. Kind of, I got you. But since we're live. Um, I'm probably going to be uh, last year I, I held my own mental health summit called Today I Decide Mental Health Summit. I love that. And I'm probably going to do one sometime maybe September. And I would be honored if you would be one of our guest speakers. It's, it's going to be virtual obviously, but I would be honored if you'd be one of our guest speakers. To talk. Of course. Oh my gosh. What a blessing. I would completely love that. I would. So I'm going to hold you to it. Don't forget about me. <laughs> well, guys, definitely check out the podcast. Um, like I said, my mom is going through this. And I'm actually going to give her the, the link so she can listen to some of your episodes before my awesome. phone. Um, and I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank you, Tammy. I want to thank you, Kurt. I love you guys. Um, you guys are my amigos. I always got your back. And I know you guys always have mine. So, guys, definitely check out the podcast. Check out what she's doing. 
Check her out on Facebook, LinkedIn, blah, 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 blah. And I left you my email. If you want to, when you put my link in, feel free to, you can put my email. Because for anybody who, um, like I said, if they have experienced it and, and they would like to, if they don't mind being interviewed, I'd love to have them on my show. Or your circles, if you know people who would like to be part of the support group, I, I'll send them the link. Yep. The Zoom link is the same every week. So Sounds amazing. So, guys, I love you guys. Remember, um, we got our new book. Our new book just dropped on uh, Monday with bonuses. Um, I got brand, my brand new coffee just dropped. So um, okay, and look all, at you. <laughs> all my pro, all my proceeds go to help end veteran homelessness That's and awesome. and veteran mental health issues. So I make no money off of it. So if you guys are interested, I'll, I'll leave a link. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. And, thank uh, you, Richard, for having me. And thank you, listeners, for, for indulging me. <laughs> and, th- and remember, uh, VM Nation, remember that um, vertical momentum, the only way to go is up. I'll catch you guys on the flip. Awesome. Hey, guys, if you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, We have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee. And and it it will get you moving in the morning. So guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.